Poetry, Anxiety and Vulnerability. This is the Anxious Poets Podcast. The Call of the Unwritten. Time would take me up to the swallow throng loft. Dylan Thomas. A feathery uncertainty in the swallow thronged loft. I am tongue-tied in a company of singers, these fleet poets of the air. Yet well-fed and ready for flight, I tremble on the claw-pock ledge and wait. Wait for my turn to squeeze through the tiny round chance that leads to the sky. Never before has the call felt so inexorably feral, nor the wind so giddy. Then the instinctual draw rises in my feather-bound chest and I burst out of the loft like an arrow at a target, though no target I have ever seen. Sweeter than the nectar of the honeysuckle is this jubilation of flight, suicidal to the praise-seeking self that kept me loft-bound for so long in constant comparison to finer feathers. Can I trust my inner compass and continue this migratory flight to a rewritten me? Can I accept the unnamed future whispering in fragile beating wings? A flight that captures the fierce jeopardy of living so I can render its path for others to read. A slow crossing to an undisclosed country with a chorus of chanters in whose throng I have found my voice. And besides, the loft is behind me now. I wrote this poem 13 years ago. I had a sudden sense that I wanted to write poetry more seriously. I had written on and off all my life, but just for my own benefit, I suppose. Usually when I was feeling a bit depressed or low or something had happened and I turned to the page in order to have some catharsis, some sense of expression. It, I even wrote a poem when my father died when I was 11. So that instinct was in me from a, a very young age. In my desire when I was 50 to try and write more seriously I went on a, a a weekend of camping with some men friends of mine and one of we all had to bring a contribution and one of them <laughs> drove his car up to where we had the fire circle and played on his car stereo a recording of David White reciting poetry and I remember thinking wow that's it. I haven't heard poetry expressed like that so emotionally, so well for, well, ever. I don't think I'd ever listened to poetry. Um, I'd read it when I was at school. Dylan Thomas, especially, he got me through my one GCSE that I passed in English literature. And, and so I began to read more poetry, but also to listen to David White. Uh, a series of CDs called Clear Mind and Wild Heart. And I subscribed to his website and then 
got a notification that he was doing this thing called a salon series in uh, the Cotswolds. They were three meetings over a year and you arrived on a Monday afternoon about half past four, had afternoon tea, he would arrive about six and he'd do a session in the bar and then we'd have a meal together, there'd be about 15 of us and then the next day we'd have breakfast and then a session with him and we'd go for a walk, uh, there'd be sharing in pairs, there'd be sharing in the group. And I had no idea what to expect. Um, I thought that everyone who was at it would be like me, looking at being some kind of writer, that, uh, trying to express themselves through poetry. In fact, everybody there, apart from me, was some kind of management coach, because I hadn't realised the other side of his work <coughs> was organisation development. So they were all there because of that side of his work. Though I felt a bit like a fish out of water. And he asked us, which he often does in the first session, to locate within our bodies what we were feeling at that precise moment. And I expressed it in a couple of words, a feathery uncertainty. It was like a cross between um, anxiety and excitement. Um, you know that, like butterflies in your stomach, but this was this was stronger than that. It was more like a bird's feathers beating in my stomach. And he told us to sit with that and to stay with that, um, that allocation of feeling within our physicality. So I went away with that phrase in my head, a feathery uncertainty, and... I had been reading Dylan Thomas as a way of trying to understand how to write good poetry and especially Fern Hill, which is such a powerful evocation of childhood. Fern Hill is where he used to go on holiday and he talks about being a child on this farm. But towards the end of the poem, he starts talking about having to grow up, which was one of his major themes. And he has this line... He didn't know that time would take me up to the swallow-thronged loft by the shadow of my hand. And I'd read a commentary that said that this line was about him finding his place among the comp company of poets, the swallow-thronged loft, that the, the swallows were poets. And I was really taken with that metaphor and imagery I've just been in the Lake District with David White, helping out on one of his Lakeland tours. And I talked about this experience with some of the participants on that. A great group of people from all over the world visiting the Lake District, often for the first time. And you can see, I feel a great pride in the North and in Wordsworth and the Romantic Poets and in the Lake District, I've done nothing to create it, but I do feel an incredible sense of pride to show people around that area. And at the farm, as if you follow this podcast, you will know, uh, Bankground Farm has swallows and swifts and house martins nesting in its eaves. I can never quite tell the difference. But anyway... Uh, and you see them doing these barrel rolls over your head and flying above you. And it's just extraordinary. So uh, I had observed this in other places. Uh, 
this this behavior of swallows. So that was in my mind when I wrote this poem. Um, and I sort of struggled and scribbled it down and formed it. So when the second salon came round a couple of months later, after the evening session and the meal, the next morning we were paired up to talk about uh, how we'd fared since the last one. And I was with a lovely lady from Sheffield um, who I'd got to know at the first one. And, and she said, you know, how have you been? And I, I said, oh, I've, I've been trying to write and I've written this piece. And she said, oh, well, read it to me. So I read it to her and she enthusiastically said, oh, you have to read that to the group. And I had that sort of bifurcation of feeling. Part of me thought, yes, I'd love to do that. As long as it goes well. And the other part of me thought, no way am I reading one of the first pieces I've ever really seriously tried to write in front of an accomplished poet like David, uh, who I had on a bit of a pedestal at the time. Um, so when it came to the bigger group, it started to go around and people started to feed back to the group and to David what, what their experiences had been, what they'd talked about. And Sue kept nudging me um, and saying, go on, go on. And then David said, it looks like you've got something to say. And I said, I've written a piece. He said, oh, you, do you have it memorised? And I was like, no, I haven't. Um, so he said, well, read it to us. So I had about 20 sentences of apology about how it was one of the first things I'd written and it wasn't very good and blah, blah, blah. Then I read the poem, and the moment I'd finished, I said, so, you know, it needs a lot of work, and uh, it's only a draft, and uh, I just basically apologised for the whole of it. And he looked at the group and me and said, OK, Adrian, I want you to read that poem again, but I don't want you to say anything else apart from the poem. Don't speak, just read the poem. So I took a deep breath and I read the poem again. The call of the unwritten. Time would take me up to the swallow-thronged loft. Dylan Thomas. A feathery uncertainty in the swallow-thronged loft. I am tongue-tied in a company of singers, these fleet poets of the air. Yet well-fed and ready for flight, I tremble on the claw-pock ledge and wait, wait for my turn to squeeze through the tiny round chance that leads to the sky. Never before has the call felt so inexorably feral, nor the wind so giddy. Then the instinctual draw rises in my feather-bound chest and I burst out of the loft like an arrow at a target, though no target I have ever seen. Sweeter than the nectar of the honeysuckle is this jubilation of flight, suicidal to the prey-seeking self that kept me loft-bound for so long in constant comparison to finer feathers. Can I trust my inner compass and continue this migratory flight to a rewritten me? Can I accept the unnamed future whispering in fragile beating wings? A flight that captures the fierce jeopardy of living so I can render its path for others to read. 
a slow crossing, to an undisclosed country with a chorus of chanters, in whose throng I have found my voice, and besides, the loft is behind me now. And in the silence after I read it, I could feel, and amazingly, I could tell the group could feel, I'd just done what the poet this poem described. I had burst out of something and flown into the air to be visible to everyone and, and continued and done the things that the poem describes. And I could feel that sense, and besides, the loft is behind me now. It was. It was behind me. The, the sense of who I was as someone trying to write was behind me, and I had written. And the, the title came to me, The Call of the Unwritten, was that I realised that for years this call had been coming to me, that there were unwritten parts of me that I had not committed to paper, if you like, that I had not committed to the visible world, I suppose. And that that was behind me now. I had actually done it. Um, and I have a very good friend, Georgina, who was, who was there, and she texted me the other day to say, do you remember that amazing day? Of course, I did remember that day very clearly and the feelings of it, which is part of the value of writing poetry, is that you capture experiences that you can then return to and, and work with the import of them, the weight of them in your life. Another amazing poet that I began to respect and read was Mary Oliver and she talks about finding our place in the family of things in the wild geese she says announcing to you over and over the natural world announcing to you over and over your place in the family of things and I think that call of the unwritten, those parts of us that we struggle to explore, struggle to articulate, struggle to even admit are there. Those yearnings and sense of a deep-seated purpose that we don't quite understand, they are most profoundly found in the natural world. As I've been in the lakes, I'll finish with this. <clears throat> William Wordsworth, on a walk home on Midsummer's Night from a party, is witnessing a, what he calls a common dawn. And everyone's going to their work and the mountains uh, are laughing and the sea is shining and towards the end of the little piece that he writes he says 
uh, I made no vows. I made no vows, but vows were made for me that I should be else sinning greatly a dedicated spirit and on I walked in blessedness which even yet remains I made no vows but vows were made for me that I should be else sinning greatly a dedicated spirit and on I walked in blessedness which even yet remains that's that moment where he realises he was going to be dedicated to something. And it, for him it was poetry. The writing of poetry. The recording of his inner world in reaction to this incredible landscape that he lived in. And each of us has that inner feathery uncertainty about what is it we should be dedicated to. What should I dedicate myself to? And it changes through your life. It can be family, it can be a friend, it can be a relationship, it can be children, it can be an animal, it can be a work, it can be a vocation. It can be anything. But what do you sense where vows are being made for you? I made no vows, but vows were made for me that I should be a dedicated spirit. So this poem is my exploration of what it means to be a dedicated spirit. The Call of the Unwritten. Time would take me up to the swallow-thronged loft, Dylan Thomas. A feathery uncertainty in the swallow-thronged loft. I am tongue-tied in a company of singers, these fleet poets of the air. Yet well-fed and ready for flight, I tremble on the claw-pock ledge and wait. Wait for my turn to squeeze through the tiny round chance that leads to the sky. Never before has the call felt so inexorably feral, nor the wind so giddy. Then the instinctual draw rises in my feather-bound chest and I burst out of the loft like an arrow at a target, though no target I have ever seen. Sweeter than the nectar of the honeysuckle is this jubilation of flight, suicidal to the praise-seeking self that kept me loft-bound for so long in constant comparison to finer feathers. Can I trust my inner compass and continue this migratory flight to a rewritten me? Can I accept the unnamed future whispering in fragile beating wings, a flight that captures the fierce jeopardy of living so I can render its path for others to read? A slow crossing to an undisclosed country with a chorus of chanters in whose throng I have found my voice. And besides, the loft is behind me now. Poetry, Anxiety and Vulnerability This is the Anxious Poets Podcast.